Yes. Yes. Come on and tag somebody. Come on and tag somebody. What is up, my beautiful family? Is anybody excited? And have you been waiting for this particular night, Therapy Thursday? You know how we do. You know how we do. I strive to always start this off by creating a love and an encouraging thread. So could you tag somebody right now? Look up and down the chat. Could you tag somebody? I see you, I'm proud of you. Look at you being consistent, showing up for therapy. I'm so proud of you. You could be doing so many other things. Watching Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, so many other things that you could be doing, other YouTube channels, but you are being intentional with your healing and that says a lot about you. Welcome, 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 welcome. If this is your first time, let us know in the comments that I'm a first timer and everybody who has just been so consistent with watching, rather if it's myself or my brother Isaac Curry, we thank you so much and we are truly honored to serve you. This is Therapy Thursday and this is a little different and the reason we do this is because I've said this since the beginning of the 2022 calendar year. There are gonna be requirements as we are followers of Jesus that requires for us to be healed on the inside for us to do it. Now, tonight, tonight's particular conversation, it's gonna be like a tearjerker. <laughs> it's gonna probably unearth some things that you didn't want to deal with. This is something that I'm gonna be translucent and transparent with because I know what it feels like to be hurt. I know what it feels like to be betrayed. In fact, everybody watching this particular session, rather you're listening to this later on the broadcast, on the podcast, or you're listening to this tomorrow, every single one of us are going to experience pain. We're going to experience pain. And when we do not appropriately and accurately deal with what hurt, it will always show up in another area of our life. So there's this, there's this constant theme throughout the fabric of scripture. And I want to see if you catch it. All throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there's this constant theme. And I want to just get to work. I want to get to work and show you. There are a plethora of scriptures I want to show you so that you could see that I'm not up here lying. First, I want you to go to John chapter 13, verse 35. It says, by this, this is Jesus, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, can I get somebody to put in the room if, if, if you love one another. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love. There's that word again. That you love one another just as I have loved you. First John chapter four, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Are y'all seeing this constant thing? First Peter chapter four, verse eight, above all, so mean everything else, above everything, above all, keep fervent in love for one another, 
because love covers a multitude of sins all throughout the fabric of scripture like the litmus test the dna requirement the proof the irrefutable evidence that we are truly citizens of the kingdom that we are truly followers of jesus is revealed by our loving ability this is problematic this is problematic and this proposes a huge issue for a lot of us and i want to address it on tonight because if one of the main qualities for being a follower of Jesus is revealed in how we love, how do you love after you've been betrayed? <laughs> how do you love after betrayal? How, how do I use the same heart that got broken to extend love and to help other broken people. How do I use the same heart that has been wounded, the same heart that has been damaged, the same heart that has been stabbed, the same heart that has been misused, how do I use that same organ and love? I wanna talk about love after betrayal. Because it's one thing to love before, but how do you love after you've been done wrong. That same heart, whatever it is that happened from childhood, from the divorce, from the breakup, from the, the, the church hurt, from somebody lying on you, how do you use that same heart and display the love of God with it without allowing your heart to be contaminated and infected by what happened? Let's pray. God, you are awesome. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to get some biblical therapy. We understand that one of the evidences or the proof that we truly are ambassadors and our sons and daughters of the kingdom is revealed by how much we love. But God, many of us are wounded, broken, and hurting because of things we love that didn't love us back, for things that we loved that you didn't send, or for just being manipulated or taken advantage of by parents, or even past or current spouses. Would you help us to be able to heal so that like we just read in your scriptures, our hearts can be love banners so that others could know you because of how we love them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen. Amen, amen. It is going to get real in here on tonight. Love after betrayal. How do I use the same thing that has been broken? How do I use the, the same thing that has been wounded to display God's love in the earth? Can I get us to say this confession? I just feel this, y'all. Can I get us to put this in a room in all caps? This is prophetic for somebody. Um, Father, heal my heart. Restore my joy so I can love freely without fear. There's something you need me to do. I feel this, y'all. One more time. Father, all caps, y'all. Father, heal my heart. Restore my joy so that I could love freely without fear, there's something you need me to do. There's something you need 
me to do. There's something that I've been called to do. There's a work that I have been summoned to complete. There is an assignment that I have been anointed to engage in. There's something that you need me to do, but I can't do it when the same muscle that I'm supposed to use to show your love has been broken. Love after betrayal. How do you love after you've been hurt? Not no. Somebody's probably watching this like, oh, pick me. <laughs> Please pick me. I know, I know what you do. You move on. What are y'all talking about? What do you mean, what do you do? Just move on, just move on. And I hear you, but this is what I would like to bring to your attention. The goal is not just moving on, but to move on right. That part though, it's not just move on, but for us to learn and to have the wisdom on how to move on right. Because a lot of us have tried to move on, but your heart didn't. A lot of us, we tried to move on, but your personality was altered due to what you went through. A lot of us tried to move on, but your mind didn't. Y'all not talking to me. A lot of us have tried to move on, but our, but our passions didn't. What we crave didn't. And sometimes it's hard to move on because we're hoping they'll stop us. <laughs> this is why you keep lurking. I'm hoping that they will stop me. It's not just moving on, but it's moving on right. Moving on the correct way. So I can't speak for anybody else, but aren't you tired of acting like you're healed from what you're really not? Like, aren't you tired of putting on this makeup and saying that you're okay, but you're really not. This is why certain people are underserving you. See, you think it's they're not grace for you. No, they're underserving you because you're not, you're not informing those who God has sent in your life to help you heal that you're still hurting. So we're speaking to you from a level that you're not because you're presenting yourself. Y'all don't wanna talk. You're presenting yourself to be at a level that you're not. Aren't you tired of acting like you're over what you're really not, it's ironic to me. When we were children, we used to fake cry over things we wanted. <laughs> My son does it all the time. No, you can't have that popsicle. <laughs> Bro, that's fake. <laughs> I want the popsicle. Son, that's not real. <laughs> that's not real. Isn't it ironic? Think of the irony. We went from being children that fake cry when we want something to adults that fake smile to act like we have everything we want. <laughs> Just transition from childhood to adulthood. You used to fake cry when you were a child, but now you're faking your smiles. And fake happiness is the worst type of sadness. Did y'all hear what I just said? Fake happiness is the worst type of sadness because you have to masquerade in this posture that's not real. Oh, we deserve Oscars. Oh, we deserve Emmys because we have learned how to act like I'm over what's, what I'm really not over. I'm not over. How, how, how do I love after being betrayed? There's this funeral that I have to go to this Saturday of a church mother, church elder, was dear to my heart. Um, she saw me go from boyhood to manhood. She lived a great life, um, passed away in her late 80s, 
and her services this Saturday. And as I was thinking about this whole funeral and the process, and I know the steps to grieve. This is not my first time of being um, affected by the loss of a loved one or even having to be there and navigate the family through um, the passing of a loved one. A thought hit me. Jerry, you, you know the stages to go through on how to grieve appropriately and accurately. She passed away, you loved her. You know how to grieve. But what if the greater problem for many of us, for your generation, for generations before you and after you, is we don't know how to grieve over people who are still alive. Hmm. Like, we don't know how to eulogize. Like, how do I eulogize a relationship that's not in the cemetery? Like the person and the relationship is dead to me, it's over, but they're still alive. How do you do that? How do you eulogize a relationship for a person that's not in the cemetery? How do you grieve when somebody's still alive, when you still have cry rehearsal with them, when you still have to go to work with them, when you still go home to, like something is over, but the person still exists. How do you, how do you handle that pain? How do you handle that pain? I see it all the time as a spiritual leader, as a pastor. The relationship has died, but y'all are still in ministry together. <laughs> I feel this, y'all. How do you eulogize a relationship, but they're not in a cemetery? What do you do when you can't contextualize your crisis? What do you do when your, your sadness doesn't seem to make sense? How do I handle being betrayed and still having a heart to love after being hurt because that pain hits deeper. That pain hits deeper when you go from being friends who share laughs to strangers who only share memories. The pain hits deeper when it's a person that used to make you feel special, but now they make you feel unwanted. The pain hits deeper and betrayal hurts so much because your brain constantly replays the scenes of love and good times and the scenes of pain and bad times at the same time. And so many times I'm so torn because I remember the love scenes and the pain scenes and the person is not in the cemetery, but the relationship still is. And I can't let my heart get cold. I can't let my heart get calloused. I can't let my heart be cut off off because I have to use the same heart to display the love of God. I have to use the same heart to let people know that God still is a good God. I have to still love because by this all men will know that I am his disciple. Pain. Pain. One of the most excruciating pains our heart can ever feel is being betrayed. And it hurts so much because betrayal always comes from people who are close enough to kiss you. <laughs> it always comes from people you used to call brother. It always comes from the people you used to call sister. It always comes from the people you call mom. It's like snakes don't even hiss. They call you bro now. It always comes from somebody who's close enough to kiss you. How do you love after being betrayed? Now, family, I, I could be touched with this. <laughs> I could be extremely touched with this. Like, I was having a conversation with a brother 
uh, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about the pain of being betrayed. And he was asking me, like, man, how do you get closure? And I said, I don't get closure. <laughs> I don't get closure. Like, every time we talk about church hurt, I understand that there are a lot of manipulators in pulpits. I understand that. I understand that there are a lot of businessmen and bishop collars, and they have no business behind a pulpit because they're taking the unfair advantage of people. I understand that. But that's not all of us. That's not all of us. I'm like, why when we talk about church hurt, has nobody ever considered the spiritual leader or the pastor? Like, I don't get closure at all. I'm, I'm, I'm there for your marriage problems. We're there to serve you. We're there to dedicate your children. We're there, we're there when, you, when your family experiences loss. We're there through pandemics. We're there through crisis. And then one day they just go ghost. They don't have letters sent to the church, no emails, no texts. They just go. No explanation at all. This is the life of a pastor. I don't know why. I don't know why this happened. Like I shared before many times, um, as I was dealing with this in the genesis of my ministry tenure, God was really revealing with me, like revealing to me, Jerry, you cannot be an effective spiritual physician if you keep on catching the symptoms of everybody you're trying to treat. You can't be cold. You have to love, but you have to have so much wisdom and spiritual intelligence to where you could treat people and not catch their virus. People can hurt my heart but my heart's not broken. I could be touched. And I know somebody's watching this like, yes, I have been hurt. I've been hurt by friends. I've been hurt by, by brothers. I've been hurt by sisters. I've been hurt by family members. I've been hurt by friends. I've been hurt. In fact, you know what? Betrayal doesn't even shock me anymore. Loyalty does. Anybody? I'm not talking to anybody. Like being betrayed doesn't shock me. Being lied to doesn't shock me. It's when you tell the truth, that's what shocks me. <laughs> like. Being honest, having character, being loyal, that's what shocks me. And loyalty is so cherishing. Like I cherish loyal hearts so much because I understand that loyalty is to say farewell to heart misuse. Ah, oh, that's so good. Loyalty is to say farewell to heart misuse. It's when somebody won't misuse your heart for their gain. That's rare, that's rare. Like I'm gonna do a whole nother message not, not this coming Thursday, but the next Thursday um, for my particular time when we come together for Therapy Thursday, talking about you're not ready if. That's gonna be the whole topic. You're not ready if. Because this particular conversation that we're having on tonight is more dedicated and directed to help us to learn how to heal once we've been hurt and once we've been betrayed. But there are people who are watching this who you have done the hurting and you have done the betrayal, come on. You have gone ghost on people. You have done people wrong. And I, and I want to really address that particular audience. Now, don't everybody start looking funny. Oh, I ain't do that. I don't have no Judas, okay? All of us, unless we have wisdom and unless we have right theology, will always produce what makes sense to us. We will always do what's in agreement with our intellect. See? But when you study the scriptures and get sound biblical doctrine, not stuff that sounds good, but actually sound biblical doctrine, you'll recognize that sometimes what you think is the right thing for you to do is the wrong thing to do. So I need wisdom on how to, how to navigate and deal with difficult people. Because a lot of us are out here damaging hearts and praying for God to send you one. It's like, no, 
No, you will hurt my son. You will hurt my daughter. Or some of us, the biggest betrayal is like you're so loyal to them, you're betraying you. You're loyal to what God didn't send. That's a whole other conversation. We'll, we'll deal with that in um, two weeks. Loyalty. It is to say farewell to heart misuse. I can't speak for everybody, but for me, the, the greater betrayal is for me to allow the pain to be unprofitable. Like, if I'm going to go through something, I have to learn from it. Anybody? Like, I feel like I'm betraying me when I allow pain to be unprofitable. Everything that I go through should either be a lesson or a blessing. Now, I want wisdom so that I could experience more blessings than lessons. <laughs> but everything I go through will either be a lesson or a blessing. I'm not trying to get people back. Whoever's watching this, stop trying to get them back. Stop trying to prove them wrong. Like, we don't get even. We get healed. That part, though. We don't get even. We get healed. In fact, everybody, here goes, convicting somebody, everybody who's trying to get them back, everybody who has their heart set on revenge, I want to know, I want you to know, revenge is stealing. For you to say, I'm going to try to get them back, you're trying to get revenge. Revenge is stealing, is theft. You're taking something that is God's. All right, let me give you Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much, watch this, as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place for wrath. Ooh, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is yours. It's not what the text says. Vengeance is yours. No, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So when we operate with a heart of vengeance or revenge, you're stealing. You're stealing something that belongs to God. Vengeance is his. Now watch this. This is why we pray for those who misuse us because the text just told us, um, don't avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. I'm praying for you, bro. I'm praying for you, sis, because of how you did me, you have set yourself up to be in a position to experience wrath because you don't do God's children like that and think that he's going to let it slide. You don't do God's daughter like that and think that her father is going to let it slide because good fathers stand up for their children. So I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you repent. <laughs> I'm praying that you get it right because I understand nobody can correct you like God. Nobody can, nobody can exercise vengeance like God. So I'm praying for you. Now, some of us have to have the right heart because you're probably watching this like, listen, I want God to get him back. <laughs> I ain't praying nothing. Get him. Get him, Jesus. Get him. We pray for them because I know, I know when you do God's children wrong, you're setting yourself up for him to vindicate me and setting yourself up to experience wrath. Look, not doing them how they did you is what is keeping you living under the, under the overflow. 
Not doing them how they did you is a deposit on your future blessing. If I try to do you like you did me, I'm going to lock up my blessing. But the reason I am blessed and the reason I will be blessed is because I'm trying to surrender my life so much so to the gospel and to the Holy Spirit's use so that God can get glorified in and through me. I'm not using all of my effort and energy to try to get you back. Not getting them back is how you stay under the overflow. Love after betrayal. So the Holy Spirit was really guiding me as I was preparing for this Therapy Thursday conversation. It's really guiding me. It's like, okay, one of the attributes that God wants to restore to his sons and to his daughters is the attribute of trust. Please hear me, y'all. This is important. This is the most important part of the whole conversation. One of the main attributes God wants to restore to your heart and to my heart is trust. Because what God is going to do in and through your life is so awesome. It's so mind-blowing. I'm speaking prophetic, y'all. It's so needed. It's so necessary. Your generation needs it. Generations after you need it. Generations that are still here, that existed before you need it. Your bloodline needs it. It is so necessary. There's something that I need you to fix in the earth. Remember, I taught us that is why you are still alive, because you have a purpose. Whatever it is that God needs for you to do in the earth is so needed and is so necessary. But in prayer, God was revealing this to me. I need my children to allow me to restore trust back to their heart. Because when you have been betrayed, you don't trust. And that has, that has bled over into not trusting the voice of God. That has bled over into not trusting the promptings and the unctions of the Holy Spirit. Not only do you have trust issues with people and yourself, you also have trust issues with God. And there's some people that God is going to have to send in your life so that you could reach your, de your destination, so that you could reach the places that you have been called to reach, and you won't trust them because you don't trust God. So who God sends in your life to help you get there I need to calm down I feel like I'm preaching the people that God needs to send your Elijah you won't trust your Paul you won't trust your Naomi you won't trust your Jesus you won't trust I'm speaking of examples of leaders and people who are instrumental in getting you to the place that you need to get to you won't allow God to even use them because you have trust issues with people who existed before them I need to restore trust because what being betrayed does is betrayal hands you paranoia. So good, man. Betrayal hands you paranoia and chronic suspicion. <laughs> chronic suspicion. What is that? Chronic suspicion is the bandage the heart wears when it's been stabbed by someone we formerly trusted. One more time. Chronic suspicion. It is the bandage the heart wears when it has been stabbed by someone we formerly have trusted. To be holistic in the mind takes work, y'all. To get healed in your head 
takes a lot of work, which is why most people judge. Because <laughs> it's easier to judge than it is to allow the Word of God to renew my mind, to, mem to, to memorize the Word of God, to meditate on the Word of God, and not just read the Bible, but to be it. Not just read scriptures, but to be it. There was this time I was about to record, Therapy Thursday, and somebody's car went out at Walgreens. And I'm rushing to get to the studio. I went here to get some batteries, and he's like, hey man, can you give me a jump? I wanted to be like, man, he's gonna make me late. And it was just so clear in my mind, like, bro, you have a chance to be the Bible. And, and, and you're worried about telling people about the Bible, and you could actually be it? This is how my Holy Spirit talks to me. And so. I jumped him, did what I had to do, make sure he was okay, say God bless you, ask him did he need anything else, and he was just very thankful. But I know the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me also lives on the inside of you. It's not just reading it, but being it. Being it. Information without application, no transformation. Chronic suspicion, it is the badge, it is the bandage that the heart wears. When we have been stabbed by someone we formerly trusted. And I wanna give you a different perspective that hopefully can allow your scars to stop having a podium, meaning be your spokesman. Because your scars are not your labels, they're, they're proof that you survived. And I understand being betrayed hurts because it always comes from somebody who's close enough to kiss you. It's how we get the Judas principle and the Judas concept, but Judas is not your enemy. Judas is the instrument your enemy is using. That's all they are. Whoever hurt you was just an instrument. That was it. Bible all day, the enemies who did not like Jesus were the Pharisees. They used Judas so that they can get to Jesus. Enemies always use someone else as an instrument. So our enemy, the devil, Lucifer, will use people to try to get to you. Because when the enemy can't get to you, he will start to use those that can. Your Judas is not your enemy. That's just the instrument that the, that, that's just the, instrument that the enemy is using. A lot of us are blaming instruments. A lot of us are hurt from instruments. And I'm trying to get you to see, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Like, Judas is the individual who's in your face and your enemy's face at the same time. That's what Judas was doing. He was talking with the Pharisees, the, the elders, the chief priests, and also hanging with the disciples. Judas is the one that could conform to the disciples and can also conform to the circle of your enemies. They could do both. That's what a Judas is, but a Judas is just an instrument. So, we can learn from the life of Jesus. The enemy couldn't stop Jesus. Preaching too powerfully. Too many wonderful and miraculous and marvelous miracles. Constantly telling us about the kingdom. Healing the sick. Raising the dead and casting out devils. What does hell do when it can't stop you? Prescribes heartbreak. I'm going to use somebody whose feet you washed. I'm going to use somebody who was with you in storms. I'm going to use somebody who was there while you were ministering. 
I'm going to use somebody that was a part of your, your circle, your 12, to betray you. Hell prescribes heartbreak. When I can't stop you, I'm trying to help you. When I can't stop you, you're too focused, you're too disciplined, you're too dedicated. You said, I'm going to do this in 2022. This is going to be the year of my spiritual growth. You're too, you have your mind made up too much. The thing hell tries to do then is to break your heart. So the attack that is going low on the radar that most of us have not been discussing is the attack of heartbreak. It is a spiritual attack. It is a war move on your trusting ability. Remember, I told us God wants to redeem our ability to trust him. See, deception, being cheated on, being lied to, however you want to say it. When you discover what you thought was genuine is really artificial, that does something to the heart. When you thought this person was authentic and you find out that it was really artificial, that has the propensity and the power, if you let it, to callous your heart and to harden your heart. What is the enemy trying to do? I'm trying to get your heart broken so that you won't trust the next instruction that God tells you. I'm trying to break your heart so that you won't trust the next person God sends you to help you. I want you to have trust issues with God so that you will not follow his word and so that you can waste your life. It's more than being betrayed. It's a war move. I'm exposing a satanic strategy, y'all. It's more than trying to hurt you because the enemy hates you. It's trying to stop your heart's ability to trust and display the love of God in the earth. Because by this, amen will know that you're my disciples. By the way, you love one another. This new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. It is a war move on our heart's ability to trust, and it is a war move on our heart's ability to love. There's this chart I want you to see. This is why it's so needed for us to be able to have healthy hearts because God wants us to be able to display his love. What does love need to be able to do? It needs to be able to represent, to serve, to be patient, to protect, and to operate in generosity. This is why I need your heart healthy and your heart has to be able to love. How? It has to love in a way where it represents the kingdom. It has to love in a way where it's willing to serve others has to love in a way where it's willing to be patient. Love is patient. Matter of fact, this is how you could identify somebody who loves you, by those who are the most patient with you, by those who are willing to be inconvenienced for your benefit. That is love. Patience. Willing to protect. You cannot love something if you don't protect it. Whatever you love, you will protect. I talked about this two years ago in cuffing season. This is how you know if a man loves you, he'll protect you. Notice, whatever he loves, he'll protect. If it's his car, he'll have a car cover. If it's his guns, he'll have a safe. Whatever he loves, he protects. He protects her spirit. He protects her heart by not breaking it. On purpose, at least. Whatever we love, we protect and generosity. I'm teaching this so passionately because I understand the ploy of the enemy. I want 
you to heal. The enemy wants you to be so broken that you cannot display God's love. And we have to normalize, have an uncomfortable, hurtful, tear-jerking conversations that may not get a lot of likes, it may not get a lot of follows, it may not get a bigger campus, but it will help marriages, it will help singles, it will help homes, it will help, it will help hearts recover and become healthy. What do I do with the betrayal that my parent gave me, my father gave me, my mother gave me? I was betrayed by being molested. I was betrayed by being taken advantage of. We need to talk about that more. Sexual abuse, talk about it more. It has people who never played in the mud feeling dirty. And sometimes we come to church and we demonize those people because we don't understand why their personality is so hard, not understanding it's because they loved hard somebody who betrayed them. And so now my personality is displaying what I have gone through. Disciple them, don't demonize them. We need to talk about that so that you can see yourself in the mirror and understand that you are God's creation and you are beautifully and wonderfully made, the head and not the tail. Your beauty is deeper than Sephora. It's deeper than Mac. Your beauty is not just in your cars, your bank account, or your muscles, sir. It's in you representing the kingdom of God. We have to talk about our heart and when it's been hurt and how to view it through a God lens so that I can still love after being betrayed. Not the world's definition of love, because listen, the world and culture is not our mirror. It is our canvas, and we are God's paintbrush. Did y'all hear what I just said? The world and culture is not our mirror. It is our canvas, and we are God's paintbrush. And God wants us to heal on the inside so that he can paint a beautiful picture of what his love looks like in the earth. Love after betrayal. Number one, I need you to know this. The blessing is always in what's left. It's point number one. <laughs> the blessing is always in what's left. Not in what left, but in what's left. What do you have? All we have left is two fish and five loaves. The blessing is always in what's left. What do you have in your house? This is when Elijah was speaking to the widow. First Kings chapter four, verse two. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing. At all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. The blessing is always in what's left. Look at this, John chapter 13, verse 27. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry up and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant since Judas was the treasurer. Some thought Jesus was telling him to go pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. Look at this, y'all. So Judas left. So good, y'all. So Judas left at once going out into the night. That person who left might have been a person that the devil was using. Right here we see that Satan entered him. Sometimes we're crying over devils who have departed. Judas left. The blessing is always in what left. If Judas didn't leave, he wouldn't have betrayed Jesus and Jesus wouldn't have got to the cross and he wouldn't have died and we wouldn't have the gift of salvation and we wouldn't have the opportunity to experience redemption, the blessing. 
The blessing is in what's left. Stop looking at what left, but look at what you have left. God wants to use what you have left. You're crying over who left. I'm trying to get you to see the blessing is what in what you have left. Ruth chapter one, verse four, the married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, after they had lived about 10 years, both Malon and Kilon also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. The blessing was in what is left. <laughs> because what is left guided Naomi and Ruth to be discovered by Boaz. Oh, I'm trying to get us to get this. That had to die. Your Malon place had to die. Your Malon relationship had to die because I need that to send you somewhere else. The blessing is in what's left. Could you be prolonging your blessing and prolonging what God is trying to send because you're trying to, you're trying to rekindle what he didn't? Could you be prolonging your blessing, prolonging what God is trying to send because you want what left to come back? The blessing is in what is left. Point number two, Forgive them and forgive you. Forgive them and forgive you. Forgiveness frees the prisoner. And once you forgive, you'll recognize the prisoner was you. Remember, they're not your enemy. They were just an instrument the enemy is using. Because when the enemy can't get to you, he will start to use those that can. Number three, you will miss them. You'll think about them, but missing them is not a permission slip to return. Mm. You will miss them. You will think about them, but missing them is not a permission slip for you to return. Remember point one, the blessing is in what's left. Number four, a little more practical, but I need to say it. You're gonna have mutual friends. Don't make them choose sides. throat. You're going to have mutual friends. Depending on what happened, you're going to have mutual friends. Don't make them choose sides, nor try to paint an image of them to make them look a certain way because you have to focus on your own health and your own healing because not doing them like they did you is the way you live under the overflow. Live under the overflow. Moving fast because I'm almost out of time. Number five, you will get angry. Please don't let people like super spiritualize this. Why are you still, no, you will get angry. Healing is a messy process. One day you're cool, the next you messed up. One day you're straight, the next you're balling. <laughs> Some days you're okay, other days you're gonna feel like you're a wreck. It's a messy process, but that's a part of being birthed to another realm. Birth is messy and sometimes you have to scrub a little harder to get afterbirth off you. But this does not mean you're not about to experience a new dimension. Grieve properly. And sometimes grieving is being angry. Number six, some things you'll have to throw away. Being honest, what in your life has you constantly rehearsing what they did? And for many of us, 
you might have to get off social media for a season. I say this so often. It constantly reminds you over what was, and you know you're not over it. Once you see them, you still get mad again. See, some of us, you weren't mad until you thought about them or you saw them. I might need to intentionally throw some things away, deactivate, unfollow, not because I'm being cold, but because I want to keep a heart that is able to love the way that God needs me to love. Sometimes logins and passwords are scab pickers, constantly picking a scab that God is trying to heal. Number seven, do an autopsy. Why did it die? Why, was it me? Was it them, us? Or could it be Melon? It had to die so that whatever God has in my life can arrive. Understanding the cause of death is crucial for healing. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's an assault. And other times it's a redirection. But really evaluate, don't just, oh, there are plenty of fish in the sea. There are also sharks. And they prey on things that are bleeding. So I need wisdom to be able to understand and discern what caused for this to die. And don't ever question your value due to a Malon removal. Many times, your prayer was answered and your prayer is being answered by what left. Because the blessing is in what's left. And I think number eight, this is what I'm gonna talk about even more um, the next time I come together for Therapy Thursday, is discover destiny. The reason I wanted to park there is because purpose expedites healing. You heal faster when you're in purpose. You heal faster when you're fulfilling what God has called you to do. And the reason many of us are so bored is because you let your gifts go to sleep. The reason the pain hurts so bad is because your gifts are unactive. God has something that he put on the inside of you and that pain is gonna activate purpose. Everything I go through is a blessing or a lesson. And I wanted to challenge you, give you steps too, not just tell you, oh, what do you do? But this is the process and the steps to go through. So you could save this message and you can go through it as you're trying to heal because God needs your heart to be healthy and whole so that you could trust him and love him and represent him. So God, you're awesome. Help us to be able to put this into application. Help us to be able to remember that you yourself got betrayed. You had people deny you and spit on you and crucify you and you told us that if we can't forgive others, that neither will our Heavenly Father forgive us. Nobody did us so bad to where we can't forgive them and risk not being forgiven by you. We all have sinned against you. And if you can forgive us, surely we can forgive others. Mainly because forgiveness frees the prisoner and you want hearts of clay not calloused, rock-hard hearts. You want hearts of flesh, hearts of clay, just like the clay after a nice spring and summer rain so that you can mold and conform to be the heart types that you need that you can display your glory and your power through while we're here. Help us to heal and love without fear because there's something that you need us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.